ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. This week, I sat down with Sam Schaefer of Titanium Archery Products. We get into TAP's product line, Sam's motivation, and the value of the hunt. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Sam Schaefer of Titanium Archery Products. Sam, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk a little tap and archery and hunting with me, man. I appreciate your time greatly. Well, thank you. It's uh, really an honor on my end to be asked to do things like this. Uh, we really enjoy talking about what tap is bringing to the archery world. And, and I, I appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So why don't we just, just jump right into it. Uh, give us a little background on uh, Sam and your hunting and outdoor life. Wow. Uh, that, could, that could be a whole episode right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as my background goes, I mean, it's varied. Uh, my, my previous professional work before starting this company was in nuclear. Um, I worked in nuclear security and learned a great deal about what goes on in nuclear plants. And that was fascinating work, but it was time for me to move on. And I, I didn't really see much of a future in that. And, um, always been into archery, of course, you know, bow hunting goes back about 27 years for me now. And, um, you know, that's really my passion. It always has been. And, you know, I even got to the point where, you know, I, I decided to completely give up gun hunting in favor of archery. And, you know, so when I saw an opportunity here, uh, to do something and we'll, we'll of course develop this a lot more as we go on in our, in our talk. But, um, you know, I, I jumped at it. And, uh, you know, if you look at titanium, you look at why we're using it and things like that, there are, there's some areas that I should touch on in my past that, that relate to why I'm using it. 
And um, it's pretty interesting. So you go back about, well, I guess you're talking back around 2003, roughly. I did, um, I did a lot of work. I started my own little business on the side at that point with titanium and doing softball bats, working on softball bats for people and creating new types of uh, bats. And they were high performance. And I, and I realized then titanium alloy had some amazing properties and I could utilize it. <laughs> so that's what led to me thinking about how to, how to deploy it in these archery products. Mm-hmm. That, but, um, so how did you, how did you make that connection? Right. Cause that's, I mean, that's left and right field, no pun intended with the softball talk, yeah. but that's really yeah. left and right field to well, tie that together. It, it might seem like it on the surface, but if you think about why it was being utilized, it's not that, um, you know, it's not that different really. You know, if you think about energy transfer and the fact that titanium is very efficient in transferring energy, um, you know, in terms of softball, it, it, it rebounds very well. It's elasticity and it's ability to handle abuse, but not take permanent uh, damage essentially. I mean, over time, you know, you pound a softball enough with anything, it's going to dent it, but it could hold up to more than anything else could. And it could rebound with tremendous exit speeds, mm-hmm. the ball. Wow. So, you know, I looked at that and thought about, well, a bow has considerably more energy being transferred than you realize mm-hmm. when you release an arrow. And I wanted to, you know, develop the stabilizer concept around titanium because of my experience with it. Um, so yeah, we, we immediately spun in the tap there, man. Um, so let's, yep. let's, let's talk a little hunting real quick and then, uh, and then yeah. we'll get back in the tap. Yeah, absolutely. So what makes you tick out there in the woods? Well, I'm always, I'm always focused on, I guess you could say when it comes to hunting whitetail and that is really what I mainly do is hunt whitetail. Um, I'm focused a lot on quality of hunt. I'm focused a lot on getting into situations where I'm enjoying my time. It's not necessarily about taking down a trophy or anything like that. You know, I, I value things different than I, than what I see in a lot of people out there. And, um, you know, and I, and I think that's a good thing. I, I don't, if you have an opportunity to take a great mature buck, like I did last year, great. Awesome. You know, it was a phenomenal experience and, you know, it was a memorable, memorable event. I look at it hunting as, you know, a very deeply emotional, connected activity for me. Absolutely. And, you know, it means a lot. You know, I look at it like I'm out there attempting to take the life of a really amazing animal, you know, and I value that animal's life. I value everything that I'm, that's involved in leading up to that point. I think there's too much focus on kill in hunting and I'm not, that's not, that, that just culminates the entire experience to me. And I, you know, and I, I think, ahead. I'm sorry. I think that because a lot of, a lot of people that I, that I've talked to and, and guys that, that share that same value. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just the, the, I hate to always harp on it, but like social media, I think that has such a play on it because you talk to so many people, you know, me with the podcast or meeting guys at, you know, uh, like BHA, Pint Nights, things like that. And everyone shares that value, but we all yeah. look at it the way you're saying, like, man, what's going on with it? It's just a weird dynamic. 
there's a lot of weird dynamics right now. I mean, everything from the way people are, are changing, I think their views on what hunting means or what it should mean to them to the way people uh, have expectations for what companies should give to them in some cases, products even, you know, people reaching out via social media. It's great to have access. It's that's what we built this on, but it also provides some real negatives and that immediate direct access that people have seems to allow them to cross boundaries at times and, and, and not, not stick to what I consider, you know, basic decorum Mm -hmm. with how they handle themselves even at times. I don't think they even realize it anymore, man. (laughs) No, I I have to agree. I don't think people do. And I, so I don't really blame people necessarily. Uh, I think it's hard not to get sucked into that. I mean, you see during high, during the, you know, the rut, for example, go on social media and see how many giant rack bucks are popping up. And, you know, it's hard to not make that of the utmost importance to you. If you kind of, if you focus on that, right. if you look at all that and you think, man, yeah, this little six or eight point I shot last year is nothing. Look at all these deer, you know, and that that's the wrong way to think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it belittles everything that we believe in and the values that, that hunting bring to the table outside of, you know, the, the table fair, yep. you know, it, it just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go back 50 years and try that mentality. See how how quick, how far you get with that. Yeah, it's not going very far. Yeah, it's something no. else, man. It's just a very strange dynamic. That's a that's a wormhole of sorts, right? <laughs> Never-ending black yeah. hole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could devote several episodes to breaking down, you know, like the, the evolution of this, yeah. how it's come to what it is. Yeah, attempting to break down. I, I, yeah. Or attempting to, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're getting there. So no. the whitetail, man, are you, are you hunting those out of tree stands or you, you know? Yeah, a good bit. I mean, I'd 95% of my hunting is really out of stands. Um, you know, and I, I look for, I look for opportunities to get into locations that are maybe not what a lot of people are looking for, you know? So like even last year I decided public land, I knew in Maryland, I have access to, to Maryland only about 15 miles north of the PA Maryland line. I knew I had access to some good property, but it's, it's, it's public land that gets a fair amount of pressure early in the season. But I I thought, man, that's a challenge. You know, not only is it archery, it's public. And I know there's some big bucks for them in these areas, but they're not always in these areas. They, they tend to be, they skate around the edges a lot. So I ahead of time took, took a look at the, at the aerial photographs and just started looking for the right kind of ridges and saddles like that I wanted to, to focus on and get off of the beaten path to the point where a lot of people wouldn't consider going that route. And uh, that's what I, that's a challenge. I mean, to me, that's what it's, that's what it's that's, about. Yeah, it's about finding so. a new way to do it. It's not just, you know, like I see people, you know, and I, I'm going to, I offend people at times. I, this is, let me preface things that I, <laughs> that I, is that I realize I offend people at times, but I don't really, you know, I, I don't hold back on my opinions. And I mean, I see things on social media again, we're talking about, about that. You guys ride their four wheeler all but 10 yards within their stand and they hop in their stand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's cool. If you can do that, great, whatever. But like, that's not what I'm looking to do. Right. That, that approach. Mm-hmm. Not my experience. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, a lot of stands just trying to get into opportunities where it's, you know, during the rut, you're going to see deer moving through those locations. And that's what, that's exactly what happened last year. It was perfect. Um, may not play out the same way the next year. Public. You don't know who's going to be there. You know, you don't know if somebody's going to find your spot, whatever. But, um, but yeah, so, so I focus my shooting on that. I focus my tuning on that. I, I use side stabilizers still, even though I'm in a tree stand. A lot of guys will say when they call me up, oh, I, I won't run a side stabilizer. I'm in a tree stand. I said, well, I do. I always do. You know, makes me better. And that's what, I mean, but, really, that's what it is, right? We're, we're constantly trying to hone you know, those skills and improve and, you know, challenge ourselves right. to that next level. Bottom line. That's it. Yep. That's really what it amounts to. So um, any other opportunities? Do you do any turkey hunting or anything like that? Occasionally. I'm not real big into turkeys, just to put it, to put it honestly. Um, for some reason, I'm just not as drawn to it. Um, also, now the tap has enveloped me the way it is. Getting out in the spring is all but impossible. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, during the, the fall hunting, people would assume that that would be the busiest time. Really, the busiest time for a business like mine is leading up to. I was going to say, fall. I hope so. I hope fall. Everybody's yeah. dialed in already. You, know, you would think. Well, there, there's still a fair amount that that break out their bow about a week before the season, and you know, hit a paper plate and they're good. Yeah, well, to each their own, but yeah, definitely not, yeah. definitely not the path I'm willing to take, man. Too, too much nope. left a chance there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Look, yeah. What kind of average you averaging? What thirty yards, forty yards out of the stand there? Yeah, I mean, you you'll have some opportunities in some of these properties that I hunt where you might get a fifty to sixty yard shot, but it's pretty rare. And if you do your homework right, you can put yourself in the right location where you're going to have those twenty, twenty two, twenty three yard shots. Yeah, something that's been kind of intriguing me lately is that, you know, I'm not trying to divide anything, but that, that you know, East Coast tree stand hunting, it, uh, I've talked to a few guys from back East, and um, one of them actually challenged me to get out there, said I couldn't last uh, more than a couple <laughs> hours. And and honestly, it, I think he's probably, he might be. It's not easy. Yeah, not easy. <laughs> sitting there 12, 13 hours, woof. Oh no, I, I don't do these all day sits. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not that personality. You know, I'm too much of a high revved up person that for me, I'll put in, you know, three, four hours, you know, morning, evening or whatever. But when it comes down to it, is it, I look at it at times, is it worth spending 13 hours straight it, it, you know, to get a shot at a doe maybe, or you don't know what you get a shot at, but the point is it may not be in my my uh my wheelhouse at that point to say yeah that's worth that much time yeah that's a rough uh, one yeah you know it is and and tree stand hunting you know it should it shouldn't be it's looked down on i think honestly by some people a lot uh yeah it, it is because people think of it as easy You're like well you just sit up in a tree and a deer walks by hey, if you do things right maybe um but on the other hand down where i hunt and a lot of these places i hunt these deer are very acclimated to people hunting in trees. They look up all the time. If there's a slightest noise somewhere up, you know, you'd think a, a deer that's not used to that would, wouldn't think necessarily that a human might be in a tree. Well, they are. They're, they're completely aware that people hunt out of trees. And, and I've had that buck last year. I shot, look right at me. I had to stand stock still and hold my breath and just wait and pray that this deer was going to put his head back down and start walking again. Yeah, that's something and else. He did. Yeah. You know, start looking up in the trees. And I mean, that's something that is so, 
far outside of what you think their evolutionary instinct would be, right? right? Uh, you know, for, right. for on the hoof, I know, prey animal to look up, man. That's some pressure, right? That says a lot. It does. That says it tells lot. you the level of pressure. Tells you that these deer adapt. That they that they do learn. You know, so so yeah. I mean, it's not it's not the same thing as what you're probably accustomed to out west. But it's it's got its own challenges. Yeah, I imagine. I like I said, man. I, I'm fairly intrigued by it, and at some point, I'm gonna have to uh, accept the challenge and and see if I can do you know a few hours sit. Um, but just yeah, to well, experience. if you're coming out this way, if you're coming out this way, you got to make sure uh, you know that. Oh, and by the way, uh, FYI, to anyone listening, you may hear dogs in the <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my home, of course, and I have a couple dogs, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're coming out this way, you should definitely let us know. Okay. So we can maybe maybe do something, get yeah, together. Definitely. I mean, that's something we, we miss out on that a lot right. is, is the opportunity to really interact with people. Okay. And yeah, that'd be work. awesome, man. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's do it, man. Let's, uh, you know, I, we, we started Tap Tuesdays, man. And, you know, when I approached yep. you about it, I, in my opinion, right, I, I mean, you know, Team Tap, right? I'm, I'm part of that. But in my opinion, the reason I started that was to highlight folks, you know, just the, it's the American dream, the American story, the, you know, blue collar folks mm-hmm. just trying to chase their passion. Right. You are the epitome, in my opinion, and not to say no one else is that, right? I mean, you're, you're constantly going, we've been trying to get this on and scheduled for, you know, some time here. Um, yeah. So I want, I want the whole story, man. Um, you know, you have to be pretty <laughs> passionate to lay everything down and, um, and just chase your dream. So let's talk about tap. Let's talk about Sam and tap and what, you know, what got you fired up on it and going? Well, you know, okay. It boils down to this and this is not necessarily just how I, how I see the company and what I'm doing with the company in general. If I see anything in life that has the ability to be improved upon, it bothers me if it's not being done. It bothers me if someone isn't trying to make it better. And I looked at what the existing product offerings were. This is honestly how the company really started. It was more of an experiment in proving to myself and some friends that a better stabilizer could be constructed relatively easily by using superior materials. And so it wasn't some grand vision of creating a company that is now getting some significant exposure the way we are. It, it was not about that at all. It was simply that I want this concept to be put into action and I want to see how it works because I'm immensely curious. I always have been about function, how things function and can we change the function from its intended design to do something different, maybe better. Maybe you make it worse, but you have to try. So that's what drove the original prototypes. And we're talking back now literally about three years ago, almost to the day is when that started. So after seeing that this prototype that I came up with had this potential to really absorb vibration the way I hoped it would, that was the intent to create a more vibration absorbing type of stabilizer that didn't have to have fancy junk on the outside of it, just to put it, (laughs) to put it bluntly. Um, When I saw that that was theoretically definitely going to work, then it was, 
oh man, what potentially do we have on our hands here? Could this become something? And one thing led to another. And once I start to smell blood in the water, basically, I, I just go all for it. And I saw that and I said, hey, let's let's start to try to make a couple of these and expand just a little bit, start to see what social media says about it. And honestly, that that is the genesis. That that's how it started. Just just uh let's this has to be better. I mean almost and I don't and I'm not trying to sound off or anything, but it's almost the reinventing the wheel type thing, if you will, right? It is. It it really it is. is. And people often are afraid to do that. They're often afraid. They're, people are held back by a couple of things that I believe when it comes to trying to be an entrepreneur. It's, people at times are, they assume that a product or some concept is already developed to its fullest extent because, well, there's already you know these items out there. And I would assume the people behind that company that produces these are experts. So who am I to say it can be better? And, if, and, and, and even if I can make it better, can I get people to believe me? Can I get people to trust me? You know, so I think that's what didn't hold me back. It was the firm belief that yes, it can be better and I will prove it to you. And I will convince you just by being very sincere and genuine and passionate and driving hundred miles an hour every day, all day. That's, that's what it takes. Honestly, that's what it takes to be successful almost at any business is an insane passion. Mm -hmm. Well, there, I was going to say, there you go. Cause that insane passion is what, in my opinion, leads to the superior product, right? Um, yes. People, people get obsessed with the business side of it to a point where the right. product suffers. And I've been victim of that in, in several purchases, um, yeah. you know, hunting related and otherwise, Right. It, it, it yeah. looks fancy. It smells fancy. You know, they make it sound fancy and you get it and you've just, you know, dropped some coin on something that is virtually worthless. And I, I would have to say, I think a lot of companies, they, they may not realize this. It's a, it's a slow progress uh, process, I should say. But I think people start to rest on the laurels and start to assume that they have their customer base captured and you know, and they, they, they stop innovating. They stop caring as much about quality. They stop looking at well, what is the next um, wrinkle that we have to put into, you know, we can't just stop. You can never stop. Even if you believe fully that you have reached the maximum potential on product, you still have to examine. You still have to test. You still have to try. Okay. So and uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, we're going to, no. with, with that, what you just said, we're just going to go right into the mad scientist part of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, the, okay. So not stopping, I mean, you're, you're a one man band essentially, right? So all this yeah. development and R and D and research, I mean, this is, this is a guy in his basement Constantly and my grand garage. <laughs> <laughs> I've converted my entire two car garage completely over to tap. Wow. I mean, I, I, uh, everything, my wife does not necessarily like that, but, uh, we can't, we can no longer put vehicles in here, but, um, th that's what it took. And fortunately we had enough square footage that I could take over a, a large portion of our finished basement and make that a shipping and packing area. And, and, you know, now we're looking at building a, a you know, maybe a pole barn or a pole building out on our property we oh, have a couple acres that's awesome man you know? that that's yes yep, that's, that's the next step yeah that's the next step that's a great thing 
Yeah. So, you know, so now you're talking about a self-contained housed manufacturing facility on a small scale, of course, but, but, um, but yeah, so I do all that because regardless of how many people would keep buying tap at this point, a lot of people would, a lot of people have told me I'm going to be a customer for life. That's great. That's awesome. I don't necessarily believe that. I, I, I can never fully uh, feel comfortable knowing that it, with the idea that, yeah, I have these people, they're going to keep buying no matter what I put out. I, I'll never stop testing these products and saying, you know, can we get this, can we get this frequency of response even lower in this area? How is it, is it cost prohibitive? That, that maybe that's not really going to stop me even. And that didn't stop the hybrid. And we'll get into all that more as we get into our products. But it didn't stop any of those things from happening. Even though initially I thought, too, no, too expensive. There's no way we can pull this off. But we did. And it's rolling. Yeah. And it's rolling. You know, and it, it is. And people like you are a big part of that. You know, you're, you, you have a lot of passion for not just for hunting, but I can tell just the way you come across when you talk about the products, people are, are they see the sincerity in what you're saying. And that makes massive differences in, in trust levels and just people accepting. And that's a, I mean, for at least for me, right. It's a big deal. If, if I'm going to stand behind something, right. It doesn't matter that I have a podcast, just an, I'm just an average dude, right? I just started this podcast. It's, it's minute, but just for the average guy to stand behind something and believe in it from practical use is a big deal. Um, yeah. And, yes. And to feel, I'm, I'm just, I'm, this is my pitch right now, but to feel that bow that was already dead in my hand go even further than I thought it could. It absolutely blew my mind. Abs I was, I could yeah. not believe it. I took it on. I put it off. I took it on to put it back on, take it off, put it back on, put two <laughs> other different stabs on there and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, right. wait a minute. Shot after shot. I think I ran, yeah. I, yeah. I probably ran two to 300 arrows in that thing. And I was just yeah. crazy. It is crazy. I just bought my boy uh, a new prime synergy hybrid, right? I didn't have yeah. the bow yet, but I had the TSS and, the element X already on the way. <laughs> Who the well, heck purchases those before a site? And, it's pretty rare. You know it's what I mean? Rare. But that, it it's says a rare. lot, man. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you, you, you cannot help but get behind something that absolutely goes above and beyond what the manufacturer yeah. says it does. I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's well, just that's, crazy, that's, man. That's, 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 that's exactly what, it, that's a, right there. That's what fuels a lot of my my passion is getting feedback like that. If I wasn't able to get that, that it would be harder, no doubt about it. Um, but getting that kind of response is affirmation that it's being done right, that people like it, um, that it's working for them. You know, and, and I see that and say, that's not a fluke. You know, the first time it happened after we got the prototype out, and we got a few outs of people. First couple times, I'm thinking maybe. Hey, maybe these people are just wanting them, themselves to think that this is actually really good. After you get to your <laughs> couple hundredth, you know, couple couple thousandth, you know, and that, it, you start to say, okay, like, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess this is legit. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a big deal, man. I mean, for me, right? I'm 
I'm absolutely hunting obsessed, right? It, it, right. I'm on an elk kick right now, but I'm I'm obsessed. So I take I take the products that I purchase, you know, seriously. Like if I have to sit back and plan my year around my no. hunting equipment and tags, that's what I'm doing. So oh sure, and the money doesn't sure. come easy, right? I mean, it's a it's no. a big deal, man. Working no. class dude. So I, I, I hear you, man. I mean, it's like people people bring that up a lot, and you know, it, I, I can't say every product on the market is for every person. You know, some people aren't in a position to buy certain products, and you know, while I look at ours and say, are they worth what we sell them for? Absolutely. Uh, would I like to be able to make them a little more uh, budget friendly? Yeah, if we could. But, you know, it, so you need to buy gear that you're going to be completely satisfied with and it's going to do what it says it's supposed to do. You know, and so if you're going to drop 90 to 100 bucks on a stabilizer, yeah, it sure better work. You sure better be what you need it to be. And that's, you know, that's where we've been able to get beyond. That was a little bit of a hurdle, I think, with a lot of people. It's like, well, if I'm taking a chance on this, it better be what they say it is. And a lot of people won't pull the trigger because of that. They just won't. They won't click that buy button. Well, I think, too, a lot of that is the marketing with, with, with the stabs like we were talking about earlier is it's not it's this funky cut, you know, I got these squiggly little right. rubbers and, and crap hanging yeah. off of it. So it's been yeah. marketed as this low budget item. So everybody's willing to go spend, you know, that, yeah. that 40 or $50 price point and, and think that, you oh. know, they're getting something out of it. You hit the nail on the head right there. What it is, it's about creating a, a certain level of expectation for what a product should cost, what a genre of product should cost. And once people have come to see these mass produced, cheaply made products coming in at 40, 50 top end in many cases for a hunter, that is, that's already then established in their mind that that's what it's worth. That's all it's worth. But why is then a dozen arrows worth $120? Yeah, exactly. Because that's what they charge. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, so there's not a lot of thought on the consumer's end going into that. That's a frustrating part of this, being in manufacturing now and knowing what actually goes into products gives you a lot of appreciation, I must say, for any product that's produced anywhere. You understand that there's so much more that, you know, that, that, that's entail, entailed here to create that. And there's been, and I see a little bit of a change recently, but there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to a stabilizer, especially in in. A hunting yeah. situation right um oh yeah i mean six inches man how much how much mm -hmm. stabilization am i getting from a little six inch you know plastic rubber nub sitting out the front of my bow with you know maybe an ounce on the front of it um nothing you're, it's there's no benefit to it right and it, it's like no. it's a it's a hoax it's a it's a archery yeah. or bow hunting hoax is in my yeah opinion, yeah don't, don't, don't call it a stabilizer I mean, you can't even call that a stabilizer, technically. Right. right. <laughs> no, you can't. No. It's not. It's no. not performing, man. It's just not. No, not, it's not doing that. So, um, we, we kind of tangent it, but that's great. Um, so, why titanium? Right. You touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, we'll get more into it. Let's get more into it. Right. So, yeah. so why titanium on the front of that bow? Okay. Well, you got to think about. Let's go. Let's go look at the mechanics of the bow. And what's happening when, when an arrow is released, you got stored energy being converted over to kinetic energy. The energy has to go somewhere. We know we dump a fair amount of it into the arrow. You know, the heavier arrows, of course, are more efficient. They absorb more of the energy and take more of it downrange or a little more effectively, I guess you could say. But um, 
there's other energy that's being emanated throughout that bow system. So we want to channel as much of that as we can away from the bow, away from the riser. You know, so that's where you'll get these comments about the bow feels more dead. It should because the stabilizer, titanium specifically, is very good at taking that, vacuuming it away from the bow. So it takes energy into its body, resonates at a very rapid, uh, rapid pace, a high frequency, and is able to dissipate energy by releasing heat. So when metal vibrates, it releases it as heat. You can't see that or you can't detect that or anything. You know, so any stabilizer that's there is, is helping if it's able to do what it's designed to do is doing that to, to some degree. Ours do it better. Titanium alloy in, in the grade we use, which is grade nine for our stabilizers. And anybody can go Google that and take a look at what that, that grade is. We don't put out the specs as far as the thickness, but, um, and we also, there's a, there's a certain condition that it's produced in that we don't, we don't really advertise either. But, uh, but it, makes, it makes for a great body of a stabilizer because think about this. Carbon fiber doesn't resonate the same, at the same frequency as titanium does. So it doesn't do as much. The body of the stabilizer, if it's another material, doesn't do as much as the body of our stabilizer is doing. And then let's go even further. Well, if you have titanium resonating very effectively, you're also going to have to then find a way to damp down some of that, that resonation that's occurring in the stabilizer. That's where the vortex material comes into play, which is inside of the stabilizer. So you're sucking it into the body of the stabilizer and you're killing it off through a couple of different methods. And the vortex is a proprietary formula that I, I thought a little bit about relatively simple but very effective at kind of the icing on the cake if you will so um so it makes a lot of sense mechanically physics end of things it makes sense to people that understand what titanium can do to the average guy that's out there that's hunting you know this is the part that i wonder at times like how deep should i go because i don't know that it matters to some people um, you know, and they might just say, whoa, like this guy, they're just trying to fool us with a lot of uh, fancy lingo here. So, okay. So I'll pull us back from some of the yeah. scientific part of that, if you will. And I'll just ask what I, you know, what I feel like is, uh, average Joe questions, right. From my, my brain pan here. So to me, it makes sense, right. Listening to what you said. And we start talking about the frequency that the bow is emanating. Now, when yep. you look at titanium, I and, and correct me if I'm wrong at any point, but I would feel like the being that we're dealing with two metals, right? Aluminum in most risers and yep. titanium, that we're going right. to be able to, the titanium is going to take that frequency more readily than something like carbon because they're closer to the same properties, right? I mean, the, the they aluminum are, they are closer, right? Quite a bit yep. softer. Um, it's a lot softer. Uh, you know, you have to factor in the thickness that's involved here. And that's, that's a big variable is that there's so many different designs in bows, even down to the point where you have to think about how thick the cam, you know, how, how much material did they leave on the cams when they machine them will change the way the bow feels and ultimately sounds and resonates having a quiver or not having one, uh, having a certain type of arrow rest that maybe has more material or less material on it. 
every single item will alter the bow and potentially alter to some degree how you perceive the stabilizer working. So that's where it could get confusing at times. People might say, well, like I can't possibly comprehend all these factors. That's where we say, let's dial it back, take it back to the basics and just look at what the stabilizer can do for your accuracy. And then let the rest of that stuff kind of sort itself out. You know, Again, I will say my bow was dead and it got deader. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. So right. the Vortex material, right? Proprietary. Mm -hmm. There's another yeah. mad scientist deal. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. And, and one of the things that you don't like to do is talk about the sound dampening qualities of the stabilizer. I, and, and I get it because that's not what it's intended function right. is, right? But I'm going to... And I don't know if I'm being argumentative, but I'm going to argue with you because, man, <laughs> dead in the hand and, and the bow was considerably quieter. And and I okay. realize frequency range, et cetera, et cetera. So so tap into that right. a little bit. No pun. OK. That's, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I I find myself saying that a lot, actually. I'll be talking to people and I'll, I'll use that term tap into something and I'm not trying to. to <laughs> that's the second time I've done it. To connect, but it's just like it's impossible not to. Um as far okay, so here's what we've seen in testing: a stabilizer, if doing what we what we designed it to do, it will make your bow seem quieter. And to you as the shooter, what we're what we've learned is that definitely you're going to perceive it as having reduced peak volume. But in front of the bow, downrange, where that's where we're seeing that essentially what what I was saying earlier is exactly happening that the energy is being channeled out and away from the bow. It's not necessarily bringing it down in its peak, not or very small amounts, uh, but it's definitely making to any bystander or to you uh, a very noticeable difference in that it is directing energy very effectively. So what, what, what we need to look at here is, and this is going to be coming up here real soon because the weather is about right for it, but at what point downrange are we able to detect that the stabilizer or with or without a stabilizer, a bow is making a different peak volume? That, that's more my concern. It's downrange because ultimately as a bow hunter, if, if a product is going to reduce noise or, you know, God forbid it, increase noise somehow, we want to see what it does downrange and how it could impact gain. Uh, you know, it's great that a person will put it on and shoot it and think, well, geez, my bow is you know, way quieter than it was. It, it, that's great for marketing, no doubt. Uh, but a stabilizer should be looked at for what its name implies it is. It's going to stabilize through the shot. And that's something people need to really focus on is that it's through the shot cycle. So you watch our high speed videos. You watch the bow kind of just sitting there as that arrow is leaving the arrow rest. That's what you want to look at. That's what you want to see for confirmation. Like that product works because the arrow is off the arrow rest now and the bow hasn't really moved. Okay. That's what, that's what a stabilizer can do. That's what titanium can do. But noise, well, you mentioned it earlier, your, your string stop. Okay. String stop is where it's at when it comes to noise reduction. Yeah, we haven't even touched the TSS yet, man. Yep, yep. So, you know, you'll you'll have people that listen to this. I guarantee it, and they're gonna they're gonna say to themselves, "Oh, that guy's full of it." 
they're, they're, my stabilizer makes my boat quieter. Okay. And I'm going to say, well, the test data doesn't exactly lie. Your stabilizer probably isn't really making your boat quieter. So stab misconceptions, there's one of them, right? We're there. So let's hit it. Um, yep. it's not to beautify the bow. Um, so no, not. <laughs> well, we try, we, we, I definitely try. I, yeah. that's, that's one area that, uh, of contention still is like, hey, everybody wants their patterns or camo. Uh, you know, if, if we could carry 50 different varieties of camo, we might be able to satisfy people. Bottom line is we can't, uh, you know, and then there's still people that are extremely picky on colors and tones of colors. And, and I, and I say, look, this did not, I did not give birth to tap to cater to colors. Okay. This was about performance and does it make you better or not? And now, and along the way, of course you realize, well, you're going to have a hard time reeling in as many people if you don't at least provide some of those, some of the options. And you recently started offering, right? I think, what do we have now? Three or four different camo patterns. Three. Three. Yeah, it's three. Yeah. I might, might add another one here soon. We're, We're, thinking about real tree edge you know but i don't know not a big fan of the big names yeah I, and you know i for me man i you know both and i'll, I'll probably be ordering another one here pretty quick from me too because i just bought a ct5 <laughs> so i got uh nice. i got a, nice. another tss and a lmnx to grab um but what so so with the stabilizer, man, for for the guys that have been misled or just don't have the information, we're looking to stabilize that bow um, out in yep. front of us, right? Um, yep. We have removable weights. Um, you could add weight, yep. remove weight, and you actually shocked me. I I thought I was uh, saying, hey Sam, you know, you put forty ounces here, man. Should it be four? So to hear that guys are running that much weight on a bow blew my mind, man. It it's shocking to see now. Of course, we're not talking bow hunters typically. Right, the, the, right. the heaviest heaviest setup you might see on a bow hunting rig would be on a sidebar, maybe twelve ounces or so, maybe 12, 15 ounces, and that's pushing it to the extreme. Uh, but but guys that run target that are super serious target shooters. I mean, these guys take their their craft to a to a level that most of us don't really, I think, comprehend. That, that how how detailed they are and how much they care about an extra half ounce and how much they care about anchoring that bow down, like really anchoring it down. So, uh, you know, personally, I don't think I could shoot more than one arrow or two at a time before my arm would be tired. Yeah. But, that's crazy. You know, yeah. <laughs> 40 <laughs> ounces. So let's, uh, so we got a little front weight topic there. So let's talk about side, side stabs and, and the purpose, um, yeah. of the side stabilizers. Okay. Well, again, we're, let's go back to the let's go back to what the product is. It's a stabilizer. So, by adding side stabilizers, you can further enhance the level of control that you'll have pre-shot. You know, getting your pin down on the target more quickly, reducing the float, and then through the shot, the control. So, back to the videos, talking about those. You know, we we've put up. Uh, front stabilizer only videos, videos with side and, and front. And it's a noticeable difference in, in the bow recoil or the tendency that the bow would have to want to recoil a little bit through that shot. Extra weight, it's not just the weight though, it's also, it's also directional. It's very important that you get the direction of the side stabilizer right 
So you want to play with that and, you know, look at the downward angle, try to get it that week closer to that lower cam. I, I make, I advocate for that a lot. This is a new area for a lot of bow hunters. I'd say less than 10% of bow hunters use a side stabilizer. Yeah. Um, and given that, it, it's a challenge. You know, I'm from an area here in the East Coast where you got a lot of old school mentality hunters, regardless of how old they actually are. Uh, and you got guys that it's just like, well, I just want to kill a big old buck. You know, well, what are you talking about these sidebars? You know, it's like, well, do you, you, how much do you care about accuracy? You know, how important is it to you to, you be, to be able to accurately shoot to the 80 to 100? I'm not saying you're going to do it in the field. But if that, if that matters to you, like it does to me, then you have to seriously consider products like that. If that's not where you are and it's not where you envision yourself ever really being carrying that much, then, then you can get away without it. Just be honest. You don't have to have it. Yeah. Cause I, for me, I can't do the, I'm not an eight inch plate guy, man. I need, yeah. I need, yeah. you know, pinpoint or my pinpoint accuracy i want to hit whatever my x is right quarter size group or whatever out at my effective kill range man i like what you just said there that's important to 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 talk about your whatever your capability is that's so important and you know you see people again social media we talk about it but you see people capable of something that maybe you're not and you could potentially judge a product on 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 that if you put it on, you're not accomplishing what it is that you see out there. You have to understand what your level of capability is and, and improve and, and, and be realistic about it too. See too many guys taking wacky shots at distances they're not capable of taking. And the guys, I mean, there's guys pulling 120 yards, man, with oh yeah, crazy, yeah. I mean, 12 ring all day, right? And but you There's talk, guys that can do it. Yeah, and there's but yeah. these guys are the guys that are spending time to get that, you know, 150 and natural ability yeah shot a day and they and they just yeah they're just dialed in i mean there's guys there's guys that could pick up a bow that's not even their draw length and you know beat you to a pulp in a competition with (laughs) there's a lot to be said for that too yeah yeah there's some uh there's some straight killers with them man yeah there's a few guys that i could name that uh are are really impressive with a bow behind them yeah amazing so titanium string stop man um i can't say enough about it i absolutely love it um give us some give us some insight to the tss and why the benefits and yeah let's there's a lot that could be said about it and i'm looking at my notes here you you have it in parentheses the missing link so (laughs) i I, you know i I do look at it that way as well It, it is a missing link and it's a little a little baffling. It was at first anyway, when I first developed it, it was a little baffling to me why companies hadn't put this on themselves, why bow companies hadn't gone this route. And uh, I I got insight on that when I talked to Hoyts, one of their lead engineers, I think he might be their top engineer. And so they got wind of the string stops. They, They saw what we were doing. This was back last summer, fall, somewhere around there. I think it was, in, it was in the summer, I believe. Yeah, and he uh, he called me up and uh, he wanted to have a string stop sent to him, just sent to him, like, you know, free. And I was like, no, no, man, I'm, I'm I, like, why do you want this? You're, you work for Hoyt. 
you know, so like not doesn't not to say that you couldn't just buy it and then go, you know, copy our design or something like that. You're a giant, we're a nobody. But I just wanted to find out, like, well, why does he really want this? And uh, he he was like, well, we we have a vibration issue, we know, on some of our bows, we're trying to reduce it. Well, that told me a lot right there that okay, a that they identified that this has potential to to mitigate a problem they have. So I made me feel really good about our design. But it also made me realize too that that you know an engineer who could have identified that this was available and probably previously brought this up to the people above him in his company, but they hadn't done it yet. So why? And while further talking with him after the next morning, basically what happened the next morning was they ordered one. They just went ahead and ordered one, even though I wasn't really too keen on the idea at first. Uh, they just went ahead and ordered it. So I, I sent it to him. And we had some additional discussion and he said, yeah, he's like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm an engineer. He's a guy, I, I, I have patents on multiple products. There's so many things I could do on a bow if they would approve the cost. He said, you'd be surprised a, a, couple, a dollar or two extra on their production cost. Nah, happening. we're going to shoot it down. We're going to shoot it down. So, and I'll like, not to knock on any company here, but you look at the retail price and you have to wonder how it can't be worked in couple extra bucks, but you know, but I'm in manufacturing. So I know, I, I do know that generally speaking, they're cutting some pretty tight margins. So I'm not going to knock on anybody's approach or their process, but it made me realize that, you know, okay, well, we're on, we're really on the right track and there's some additional work we need to do and how our design is set up. So the basics of it are titanium in this case it's elasticity, uh, just like with stabilizers and, and, and as far as what it's doing when that energy release happens. Now you're looking at it for its ability to flex and rapidly snap back. And that rapid flexing that occurs is absorbing a great deal of energy right there. So if you look at a carbon string stop that's out there, typically they run from riser all the way to string with a rubber node of some type. So you have no interruption. So there's a couple key areas. You have no interruption anywhere of the energy transfer from the node to your hand. So if the energy is going to run down, it's going to run right through, right to your hand. You're going to feel more vibration. Well, in our design, I knew that we had to disrupt that energy somehow. And by using differing materials, we could do that. Because A, the string stop bar, the titanium bar is flexing nicely. It's absorbing energy. Then after that, you're at an aluminum coupler block. Then you have a, a bump up in actual height. So that's altering the direction of travel. And then you have carbon fiber, totally different material. Having differing materials there is really one of the major factors why this is so effective. And realizing that it had this potential and seeing the video, the confirmation, and once we got this camera that we have now, we could break it down to 960 frames a second and then slow it down even further and see what's happening. It's it's just crazy. Like, well, we hit the we hit the nail on the head here. We hit the nail on the head with this thing. Yeah, I uh, I, I tagged you in a uh, a post. A friend of mine was out shooting his bow, and uh, he you know did his little slow mo. I'm not sure what he used, and the chaos that was the oscillation and rebounding of that string was something that I've never seen before. And I go, hey man. A TSS from TAP, you got to grab one of these bad boys. Yeah. And no, most people 
don't realize all that fluctuation, that wild oscillation is happening. It, how could you? It's happening in a hundredth of a second. Yeah, you, you don't see that. When I saw that in no. slow motion, I was mind blown. And yeah, it's crazy. This is the first in in twenty years. This is the first string stop I've ever replaced. And I was ranting yeah, about well, the Element X. Yeah, I was ranting about sure. the Element X, and somebody said, "Hey, man, throw a TSS on there." And uh, really, you're gonna how you found out? About it. Yeah, I, <laughs> one of the uh, one of the other team tap guys. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, bet it was, I bet I bet it was Mike Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yes, it was yep. exactly. Yep. And I he's put, real big. Oh yeah. man, I, I can't say enough about it. Absolutely but, can't say enough about it. it it's <laughs> yeah. I, it, this is going to sound like a sales pitch to some folks, but I'm I'm telling you, well, man. Sure. You know the, the I didn't I, I didn't pay this guy. Okay, I, you know <laughs> I, I didn't I, I didn't slip anything special his way to, to say this. Stuff, nope. guys. I, I buy all my products, man. Yeah, um, he does. But yeah, I, for me to be able to get behind something that that works i mean works and delivers again is is just it's a big deal in my opinion man yeah so what are the offerings we got the element x in uh several sizes give us a little bit of that and then we have the hybrid which is the new stab uh which is beautiful why don't you tell us what the product offerings uh that we have right now are yeah, we should run through all the products yeah. that we got that we That's currently cool. offer. Yes, sir. So starting with Element X, which is really kind of you look at it as our flagship uh, stabilizer when it comes to a, a bow hunting world. It is now strictly seen as a bow hunting 3D stabilizer. When it when it launched, it was also offered in longer lengths for for target shooters. But since the hybrid came out, and we'll get into the hybrid. But since that came out, that eliminated the need for longer bars beyond 12. In Element X. So Element X is 6, 8, 10, 12. Available, it comes with uh, standard three ounces, which pretty ideal in almost all cases. Uh, you know, at, even on the front, you might see people drop down to two. It's two to three, you typically see. And, uh, you know, we found that that was just a really good balance point, a good amount of weight front of center, seemed like the right amount to offer. The screw that's included allows you to go up to about six ounces, though. So if you're going to use it as a sidebar, and when it comes to those, we didn't really fully develop, you know, the, how to pick a sidebar or anything like that. But people usually go about one to two ratio. So if they have three on the front, they might have about six on the, on the side or more. So that's why the screw is a little longer. It allows for that. Uh, it's available in matte black. And then, as you mentioned, we have three camo options. So they will come to you just with a raw titanium tube. And then you get a wrap that you can apply. It's very easy to apply. Uh, but we don't put it on for a couple reasons. It slows production down tremendously. And the other thing, it's just people don't think that it matters that logos line up, but it does. And it matters to a lot of people out there. We realized that, uh, you know, guys would get stuff. We, we used to produce a, a product that had a permanently baked on uh, decal. It was really nice, super durable decal, expensive, but it, you couldn't guarantee where it would line up at. Right. So yeah. people would get it and they're like, taps upside down. Yeah, I know. I, I feel bad. Sorry, man. We couldn't guarantee that for you. So we stopped doing that. But uh, so the three camo options, you got uh, Kuyu Verde and then Kuyu uh, Bias. And then also we have the Badlands approach. And they're available in 8 and 10 right now, just those, those camo choices. So you got 6, 8, 10, 12 in matte black and then 8 and 10 in the camo. 
and then let's go on to the hybrid. So the other the other key big stabilizer launch, you know, our big splash really kind of 2019 has been the hybrid. And titanium's involved, has to, has to be involved because we, we know what it can do. Riser side of the stabilizer has a module. It's a, it's a shorter, shorter piece. It goes anywhere from the hybrid pro, it's about one and an eighth inch of titanium. Uh, up to about two and a half inches on the on the standard hybrids. So there's two hybrids: hybrid pro, standard hybrid, and that allows for energy absorption. But the concept with the hybrid was we, we want to shape base weight, and getting out to longer lengths, you add a lot of weight quickly. So you get out 26, 28, 30. Well, titanium is dense; it's considerably more dense than carbon is, and even if it offers some properties that are pretty cool, pretty advantageous. Too much weight. So had to go carbon. Um, not against carbon. We used to say we're not a carbon copy. We often would say, use that tagline. And we still think that way because our products don't look like anybody else. We don't, we don't cater to you know, the whims or, or hype or you know, what the trends are. But carbon made sense in this case to, to use it through that portion. So you know you, you get the best of both worlds here. You're getting a little bit lighter base weight, especially at these long lengths. Now it, it's more expensive to produce, you know, and that's where people balk at times. Like, why does your product cost so much? Why do these long bars cost so much? Because it costs us a lot. Period. <laughs> Just to put it bluntly. And if if we had to go through middlemen, if we had to go through middlemen or distributors or dealers on these products, I don't know that they would even exist. Some of these items, like the Hybrid Pro, if it had to be sent through distribution. Couldn't happen. It's too expensive, you know. So building these channels that we have, like what we're doing right now, having the opportunity to broadcast to people, developing Instagram the way we have, that permitted products like this to exist. Otherwise, they wouldn't. So, what are the length uh, options for the hybrid standard and the pro? Standard goes down to eight, and also the pro goes down to eight. And they're available all the way up through 32 inches. Yeah. So guys that run, you know, the, the serious competition guys, like the 40 ounce sidebar type guys, <laughs> uh, those guys are looking at the hybrid pro because the hybrid pro is an ultra high modulus carbon. Now there's different grades of, of carbon fiber in terms of the strength, the tensile strength that's available. Uh, they'll, they'll rate them typically as just like a standard modulus or a mid grade modulus or they might call it high, and then ultra high. Ultra high is very, very expensive per inch. It's usually made on demand, at least the supplier we use makes it on demand. And uh, it was necessary to get the rigidity we wanted to allow that kind of heavy weight to be run. Now, is there anything with that, with that grade or that thickness that lends itself to be more along the lines of the titanium? When you start looking at the thicknesses and things like that, are we getting the same type of response or close? You're getting a you're getting a little different response, uh, and, and that's part by design. So with the Hybrid Pro in particular, you, you get more of it. It's hard to explain unless you try it. You, you'd know that once you shoot it, you do get more of a rigid response. You don't you don't get as much initial feel of the stabilizer absorbing as much energy as the titanium does because it does have that more of an elasticity response. Uh, but that's necessary. You know, target guys want the, the, the most rigid stabilizer they can get. 
that's just the, that that's that is I guess you could say us to some degree making a product that that the market is asking for. We know that that's what target archers want, but we still did a twist on it and said, well, we're not just going to go with aluminum couplers or aluminum outserts. We're gonna we're gonna ramp it up. We're going to give you a grade five titanium coupler and a grade nine module with the riser side made of titanium, if for no other reason than to say what well, it has the tap stamp on it. But there's also a performance basis. There's also a reason behind it. Yeah, because I'm I'm all about the titanium. <laughs> it's well, I, it's cool. It's a cool material. Yeah, it's something else, man. It is something else. So there's also some smaller offerings, right? And we have some uh, sidebar mounts, some QD mounts. And- yep. Yeah, QD mount. QD is nice. Uh, the QD is a, a performance QD. So if, if you're familiar with Quick Disconnects people out there, usually they're, they're a little shorter than what we offer. Ours is one and seven eighths. You might usually you might see them typically more on the one and a half inch range or so. But this is designed to give you performance additional damping. So we had to get enough titanium tube in there to, to allow for that. It also was designed with the idea in mind that it needed to be able to actually be very convenient and release very easily. So it releases with a barely a flick of the wrist. But once you crank down, it holds nice and tight uh, for as long as you need it to. Sidebar mounts, that was an area I was resistant to initially because I thought, well, everybody makes one of these. And, you know, what would make ours better? You know, so I thought about it, looked at the designs, and just kind of simplified it. And said, sometimes simple is better. And not having hash marks to indicate, you know, the micro tuning, is that even needed? How many times are people actually moving this? Once it's locked down, it's locked down. Right. So we just we focused on how to make it locked down tight. Focused how to how to make it so that we had like a, a machined out channel, machined out area that would really bite down once it was tightened. So you know, there's that. Tacticam, if anybody out there is into Tacticams, they're big, they're big with a lot of people. Um, we make boosters. We make, uh, basically, it makes your Tacticam into more of a stabilizer, actually stabilizes your bow. Helps reduce video shaking. And so, that's, like that. so that's screwing right into the stab mount, or you can put the QD on the front, slide your Tacticam in there so everyone understands what, what exactly is doing yeah. where it mounts, right? Right, right. So there's two boosters. Uh, there's the standard model, which just screws right into the riser. And then on the end of that, there's a female threaded piece that allows you to screw the Tacticam directly in. So at that point, you have no quick disconnect capability. But we do have the XL model, which has a built-in quick disconnect, its own quick disconnect, yeah, its own QD. So there, what you do is you actually attach, you attach the Tacticam to the booster, and it has female thread, uh, threading on the front. But then you quick disconnect the entire unit as one piece from the riser. So you can pull the whole thing right off real quick. All as one attached unit. Pretty cool. If it wasn't for the uh, numerous GoPros I have, man, I would have to give it a shot. Well, they have a lot of fans. They they have a lot of fans, uh, high quality video. I personally don't run them because I care too much about precision. And I want to have a super precise setup. So you're limited. You're you're limiting that in your opinion when you when you add that on there. Yeah, I, I well, yeah. I mean, think about it. The camera's on the end. You can't add weights to that. It, it is what it is. It's it's a cage, like a aluminum machine cage that has a camera inside of it. So you know, if you want to capture your hunt, great, good for that, no doubt. Um, 
But, you know, the beginning of our conversation here, we talked about what matters in hunting. Okay. Uh, what matters to me is not having to worry about extra extraneous things. I want to be worried about that shot, my form, follow through, put picking out that hair I want to hit on that deer. Not whether I turned the camera on or not. Right. Yeah. I've, and I've delved in that filming and self-filming stuff for years. And <laughs> it usually not uh, easy. It not falls easy. to the wayside, man. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no doubt. So what is, uh, what's coming up? What are you working on now? There's a product that, that you had showed the team some time ago and I was all over it, man. And I know you can't, oh, yeah. you can't oh, yeah. get everything out there. Right. And have to focus on, you know, what's working. And yeah. What's going but what do we have? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So the mad scientist to me would prefer to spend the majority of my day playing with concepts. Um, because there's a lot to be done, right? There's so many areas we could expand into. And what you're talking about, and it's okay if we, we discuss it, uh, it could very well happen. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of time. But that's an adjustable stabilizer that you were, I think, talking about. Um, it's It's got real potential. I, I will say that. It, there's a couple issues that would need to be worked out to make sure it functions smoothly and repeated, you know, has repeatability to it that we would know that over time with adjustments, coatings wouldn't wear off and you know, no performance would be lost. But there's a market, I believe, for a, say, this one was adjustable from about 8 to 12. And there, I believe there could be a significant market for that, given that a lot of guys will ask me that question, like, what should I be shooting? What length bar should I pick? So they wouldn't have to ask that. How many more people would actually get our products? Possibly a lot more. Yeah, when you had when you had presented that to us, uh, I was like, "Oh man!" I mean, for for where I you know do most of my hunting, that's perfect. You know, it's perfect. I've always I've always sacrificed a little bit of what I would desire in length, um, right? To facilitate you know some of the steeper angles and especially with the uphill stuff, man. You get you know you get out far yeah. enough and you have enough weight on that front. Um, yeah, there, there's, you know, if you're holding up, it, it's definitely oh, yeah. working against you at that point. So I saw some definite value, um, yeah. for my Western style so. hunting, you know, you know, it, it's one of those things where you, any product I can get it to a very functional point that it'll be functional for you, but can we get it to be functional and also have the, the appearance that's going to be acceptable? And is it going to be able to be maintained over time? You know, people aren't going to buy overall titanium product for hunting. Just if they did, we would have it out. Uh, it would be as durable as all get out. You never have to worry about it ever. Tarnit really, you know, can't rust. It can't corrode. It, but on the other hand, it's, it's, it's not just about functionality as I've come to accept. Got it. And I get it, right? I, I, I definitely get it. But when yeah. you look at something for function, I mean, that's that really has to be paramount in our decisions when we're, you know, when we're putting yeah. together yeah. something that we're going and we're, you know, stopping that heart. Right. I mean, that should be what is at the forefront of our thought. Right. I mean, we need to oh, be man, effective. You, you don't have to tell me that twice. You know, that is my, I, I, that's one of the main things I want to preach to people, but you also learn running a business that you have to be somewhat diplomatic at times. <laughs> with people and, and, you know, you don't want anyone to think that you look down on what it is they value in, 
you know, so it, it's a balance you have to run between, you don't want to compromise your vision or your value for what you produce and what you can produce. But you, at the same time, you have to respect that if a guy's insistent that a, he's only buying a six inch stabilizer, that might just be the end of it. He's buying a six inch. Right. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to say that without there, there yeah. is way too much focus in the stuff that is marketed with a lot of money. And, and in my yes. opinion, we start to, yeah. we, we should really, as a community of hunters, we should be really looking at the function of my, of my tool, right? That, that is meant right. to do something effectively or excuse yeah. me, efficiently. Right. And if we're not paying attention to everything that we put into that, uh, right. you know, we got an issue. I mean, I, I, I interviewed a gentleman, Captain James Nash, and, and he hit the nail on the head and said, you know, guys will go buy a, a broadhead that, you know, is orange stamp broadhead from Walmart and, you know, get right. half a dozen of them for 15 bucks. That is probably the most important component. Why would you do that? It, it is. It is probably the most important component. I mean, when it comes to effectively killing game and, um, you know, this is another area that's a little dicey and I've gotten into it on, on uh, podcasts and, and talking about it at length, but you know, broadheads, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, division amongst hunters on broadheads. You know, some people are insistent that that Walmart pack is all you need. Well, I've killed, I've killed whatever with it. You can kill deer with a field point. Okay. That's not, okay. It's not the point here. You, you have to consider that that is ultimately yeah, the killing end of the stick. Yeah. If it's not equipped properly, I just have, I have really, really strongly held feelings about broadheads. I won't shoot personally anything but fixed blades. That's just, that's how I, that's how I am. I shoot, now I'm shooting iron will. I like the fact that it's a cryo treated process, that it's, I think it's 57, 57 on the scale of hardness, the material they're using, A2 grade tool steel. I love high end componentry and materials. As you can, you know, look, look at what we're doing. But, to me, that's like, yes, you have to. I don't care if it can shoot through a concrete block or not. Like I see, <laughs> don't get me going. <laughs> I, I see tests like that all the time. And I'm thinking, okay, like, that's cool. But I want to see what it does on game. Right. You know, like that's what matters. Right. So, but, but yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball game. Right oh there, man. You go crazy with that. Uh, yeah. Block. Yeah. yeah. Blocks of concrete. The yeah. destructive testing, yeah. we'll call it. Right. I know. I mean, it's, it's cool like, to watch them in slow mo and see is. what lives up cool. to, you know, to that yeah. cinder block. Um, but yeah, like you said, ultimately, man, it's it's it amounts to how's it going to go through that game and ethically and swiftly, uh, yep. you know, in that. I mean, there's a lot of good choices, a lot of good choices out there, just like bows, you know. And and if you're if you're making the shot, and you know, shot placement, of course, ultimately is the biggest thing there as well that matters, and. That's where we come into play. That's where our that's where our products come into play. You know, it's, it's not just that physically the bow is actually controlled more, and that you're able to put the arrow there. But there's a lot to be said for the confidence that you've developed in your setup, and then your confidence and your ability to put that arrow where it needs to be. You know, just because you have a two inch cutting width on a broadhead doesn't mean you can fling that arrow anywhere. You know, you still got to place it correctly. So there's so many factors. Oh yeah, and I and you said it right there, man. And and to me, that's one of the biggest is the confidence, right? The confidence in that shot. How many, I, I can 
sure I can count and talk to numerous guys that said, Oh, I didn't take the shot. I wasn't comfortable, you know? Yeah. I like to hear that. <laughs> that's, that's, I like a, to hear that. yeah, that's a big, yeah. and well, okay. On the other end, we probably have more guys that are taking that willy nilly shot. I mean that, you know, but I think the confidence yeah. in that and being comfortable yep. with your equipment and your ability is a huge, huge thing, man. It is. You know, It is. It, 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 there's, a, there's a fine line you have to walk between being confident in the equipment but then that leading you maybe to take, you know, you might take risks in some cases, even because of that level of confidence you've shown on, on say the field range or 3d courses, there's a fine line there. It, 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 you know, the dynamics in the woods are not possible to duplicate in any other fashion that I've found. No way, no way you could do it. You cannot duplicate your heart rate. You can't duplicate that adrenaline rush. (laughs) I mean, you know, the emotions that come over you after you successfully make a kill, uh, it's just insane to me what that does to a body. What it that does to you. Yeah, you said after the kill, man, I'm a I'm a trembling fool right up until that yeah. that yeah. that anchor point, that last anchor point is hit, man. I'm vibrating yeah. like crazy, man. I, you know, pre, I've been bow hunting for a long time. I've killed, uh, you know, a lot of deer with a bow, but until fairly recently, I had never really thought about, I guess part of it is the company, running the company here and just developing even more confidence and, and confidence as an archer. But, but also it's a maturity thing too, I believe. But over time, I started to think more about rehearsing mentally what you're doing when you're out there. You know, when that opportunity comes that you're anticipating will, and you've planned for it. It's like literally to the point where you think about when will I, when will I put my foot at the right spot to get myself set to, to, to stand up? When specifically will I make the draw on that deer when it's coming in the direction I, I believe it will come from? And, you know, what will I do if he looks up at me? What is my plan? You know, th- taking it to that level is what I did this past season. And it really paid off because that it played itself out in the woods the way I had sort of rehearsed what could potentially happen. And I was able to to be calm. I was amazed. And I do the same thing. And I, for me, it it boils down to, again, an ethical swift kill. Um, If I can't, if I can't put myself in, in, you know, previous scenarios or think what if, as I'm, at the range, I can't go to the range and just take 20, 30, 40, 70 yard shots and okay, I'm going, I'm going to go hit the woods. Right. I mean, you have to run through those scenarios. You have to, I mean, to me, it boils down to ethics. A guy may argue that, but I think it boils down to ethics. Um, It does, you know, and and the ability to again, have the confidence that if it's a, you know, 45 yard shot at a, you know, on a 45 degree angle. Can I make that shot? If I've only been shooting flat land for the last, you know, three weeks before season. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. And I'm obsessive about my, about my craft, if you will. Right. I mean, you, to me, you have to be, you have to be. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, people are driven. I think we're driven in part by peer pressure you know, to take shots like that at times, you know, people, if, if you don't harvest something, well, I guess you weren't very successful as a hunter. Right. And, you know, so there's a lot of dry, a lot of push. I think we, we push ourselves at times to, 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 you know, get something down. And that leads to a lot of, you know, choices that maybe you wish you could pull that arrow back. 
you know, you could, you could reel that one back in. Right. Or, well, that happens a lot. Yeah. Once it's gone, it's gone, man. But I think that is yeah. important for us as a community is to start redefining success. Right. Yeah. And, and I've talked about that on the podcast with yeah. several people and, and we use that word a lot. Right. But right. It is, if you go out there and, and, you know, with elk hunting, if you call something in, you walk away and your tags unpunched, well, you were able to call that in, man. That's, that's success, right. you know, a success in the woods, you know, it you, just, nailed it. you already accomplished a lot of what you wanted to do right, right. there. Yep. Yep. I mean that, that yeah. punch tag and, you know, that grip and grin, man. I mean, yeah, like you said earlier, it's, you know, that's the icing right. on the cake, but yeah, right. I think we really need to look at that that word success yeah. and start to redefine that and, and really look at ourselves and say, Hey guys, you know, we're already, you know, up against it. So it doesn't help as you know, we, yeah, no. it's, it's a nuts one. Um, so it is. projects, media, what do we, what should we be watching out for from Tapman in the, in 2019? Well, I think that, you know, given that, there's a lot on the plate right now as far as product offerings. It's unlikely we'll have anything significant that gets released for the rest of this year. Uh, there are some things that are close, I would say, to being in a point where we could then consider whether we should manufacture it or not. Uh, one area in particular is, you know, believe it or not, the string stop, I see there being potential to make it even better. And, and, and I'm looking at one area in particular, and that's that's the node. So we currently use Limbsaver. Uh, we use their nodes, which phenomenal product. They make a Navcom. That's their proprietary material. I think there's, given we're using titanium, I think there might be a better option. And, and maybe down the line, we'll be developing our own type of node that we produce. If you can improve so, that, man, <laughs> I'll be pretty surprised. It, it, it's got potential. Uh, it, it, I, I can't even really tell you what my idea is because it's, I believe it's previously completely untouched in archery. It, you know, so I don't want to no, divulge it. No, I hear you. I hear you. That's a, yeah, it's something you got to keep quiet, especially with, you know, the way everything is somebody swoop that up, beat you to the punch. So one of the things that I, that I enjoy watching, man, are your videos, right? The slow mo's, and the product yeah. explanations, things of that nature. Um, you put, you know, some time into doing all that. Um, where can where can folks, you know, look, tap up? It's YouTube and where else can they go check out the products? Well, first, let's talk about the YouTube. That's something we're trying real hard to expand. It, YouTube has gotten to be a, a major, uh, a majorly difficult area to get attention. Basically, I mean, when YouTube was in its earlier days, I mean, it wasn't you didn't have so much competition. But now, to get subscribers and to get to get people following and watching your videos, so we're putting a lot of effort into that. So instead of in the past, we would just go directly to, to Facebook in many cases. Now it's yeah, we'll put it on Facebook, but it's going to be a link to YouTube because I want people to go to the YouTube. So you can see a lot of that at the you know YouTube. Just type in Titanium Archery Products. If you do a search, you'll find it pretty quick. Um, and then of course through our Facebook, uh, the tap LLC Facebook page where a lot of content happens and then Instagram, I man, I can't, I really can't say enough about what Instagram has done for us. Uh, you know, how we were able to utilize it, how we were able to leverage it. it it's, it's to me mind boggling what we've gotten out of 
<laughs> what we've gotten out of Instagram, which before I used it for this, I thought that was for teenage girls or something. I, I, I really, I did. I, I did no idea what like Instagram, like you know, put pictures of like, what's that all? What's that going to do for an archery company? Right. Well, then I started realizing like, whoa, okay, we're actually behind the curve here. There are a lot of outdoor companies that are all over this. You know, so in 2016 is when we, when we started it, but already we were behind at that point. And so that's where a lot of content goes. But, you know, I look at Instagram as the equivalent of a highway billboard. That, that's my analogy, you know, or metaphor for, for Instagram. People are driving along, they, they look up at it quick, and then they, they blow by it. That's what happens a lot with Instagram. You get a lot of looks, a lot of quick likes. People don't take time necessarily to read into maybe the content that you put with the picture. So, so if you want more detailed interaction and you want more information that you can kind of digest, I'd say YouTube and Facebook, where you'll get more of that out. You know, you'll get more of that because we're going to focus more of our detail there. And if anyone has any questions about tap, um, who do they, you guys, you know, you have us, you, you're tap. Yeah. You got the brand ambassadors. You guys are awesome. I mean, truly, uh, I've said it before. I don't think we also, I also don't think we could exist without the team because for a period of time, you know, let's go back, say a year, year and a half tap was subsisting on sales primarily from the team, just getting us by scraping by. And you know, the, the amount of representation you guys do is, is I couldn't pay people, I think to do a better job <laughs> than what's being done just by the team, just organically. You know, so there's, so there's that. So if you have questions, ask somebody that, that lists themselves in amb- as an ambassador, or you could, uh, reach out to our, uh, PR person, me, <laughs> you, <laughs> <laughs> you could, you know, basically, you know, it's Sam at titaniumarcheryproducts.com. I answer everything I can. So, um, you know, Facebook, you know, just direct messages through Instagram. We're all over this stuff. We have to be, you know, you, you won't get ignored. I can tell you that. And the, and the one thing about the team is that everyone believes in this product, right? I don't think that I've talked to oh, yeah. anyone yeah. that does not absolutely believe in the product. I mean, it's it's really proof in the pudding when it comes yeah. to uh, the staff. Yeah, I think so. TSS. I mean, it is just, you know, I, there's no free riders, if you will. Not really. And, and we've done a good job at recently of, of identifying where those people are. And, you know, you're going to get some. Let's just be frank about it. When it comes to pro staff, that, that's another area that we really should have taken some time with is, is looking at what it means to be a staffer or why people seek that out. What are they getting from it? You know, what are they looking for? And with our team, we call them brand ambassadors because early on, I knew there were a few companies using that term and I liked it a lot more than pro staff because pro staff, everyone thinks it means you're a pro. You know, you're a promotional staff, not a pro, not a professional, you know? Okay. It has <laughs> so, a free connotation all, as well. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. So you get people that gravitate to what you're doing because of there, there's a certain identity. I believe that they want to, you know, kind of grab onto and it gives them some identity, but, but those people are few and far between. Like what you said is true. We have people that believe in this, that believe in the product and, and the people behind this. These people support me and have given me so much encouragement 
just on a daily basis. Like it's great to get an uplifting message and see that people are behind you and they care. And, you know, so if anybody out there sees, oh, tap brand ambassador, well, I must mean that these people are, you know, somehow being given tremendous benefit and that's why they're pitching this product. No, at that, yeah, there's some discounts involved, but look, people are paying good money still for these products. And, and it's worth every penny. Yeah. I got to say it. That's how we see it. Yeah. It, it is worth every penny. And, the, and I don't, I don't think the price point is that it's not bad. No, you know? well, look, look at, look at, uh, do, you, do you mind if I point out a particular brand? Here? No, I don't have an issue with it. Okay. Well, and I don't have anything against them either. It's just, but I'll just give you an example. Matthews makes a flatline stabilizer. I think that, that retails somewhere in the neighborhood of 130, 140 bucks. And it, you know, in my view, it isn't really nearly, doesn't nearly offer what, what ours does at, at 99. So, you know, so there's a lot of examples that it would show you that we're not out of line with well-known items, high, higher performing items. In fact, we actually beat some people. Yeah. You know, like I said, you got, you got my vote, man. Absolutely got my vote. So, um, so conservation, man, um, it's one of the things that I mm-hmm. like to tap on here. We did. <laughs> oh man. Dang it. Did it again. <laughs> That's number Jeez. three, man. Um, taps really in your head. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, that I like to touch on, <laughs> on every episode, man. And it, and it really isn't to put anybody on the spot, but I like to get different perspectives. Um, it opens my eyes in some cases and, and just keeps the, the thought process going. So I call it the conservation quick. And I give you the choice of talking about the future of hunting. If you want to do both, you know, a couple minutes spiel on what it means and and where you think we should be headed to uh, as far as the hunting community goes with conservation. With conservation. Well, you know, with some of the things we, we, we touched on earlier do relate to the future of hunting in my view, or, or what we're concerned about when it comes to the future. Uh, I, I don't know what I, see as the future for sure at this point nobody does of course but the directions are concerning so when it comes to conservation you know and and how we approach that and how we fight for it i I do think there's some i think we're lacking in cohesiveness as a group you know there's all these different areas people have their own personal concerns about you know that they'll, they'll their own little cause but there's not enough focus really on getting additional lands preserved and securing opportunities for people to have access to high quality public land is, you know, in some areas there's a lot, some areas are some great properties and, you know, you know, those are going to probably stay for a long time and they aren't going to change. But I see in this area where I am, I see a lot of lands being eaten up by developments and I see a lot of guys complaining about losing property. But I don't know that people really care enough to do anything about it. I see a lot of moaning and griping about access and about license fees. And you know, look, I don't, nobody likes to have to pay any extra money for things. I get it, but I don't have any problem paying whatever the license fees are because if it's being utilized to help preserve the future of hunting for me and for people around me and my kids, and then I'm all for that. So my, my view is that I think we do we need to do less talking less typing maybe on social media about what we don't like and actually get out and do something 
You know, what about trash? Like you see trash on in, in, in areas, times, like public properties. The same guys that are complaining about losing access are the same ones that will throw, you know, their Gatorade bottle, chuck it, chuck it in the woods. It's like, I, I see that. I see a lot of that too, where we're just not focused. Our, our actions are not backing up what our words are saying, right. I think. Right. I, I and, um, you know, and that's, that's always a problem. I don't care what focus of life or what walk of life we're talking about here. If you're going to say something matters, better do something about it. Walk in the walk, man. Or don't, or don't say anything. Just don't say anything, you know? So, you know, my, my view is that the future is we can still change some of the things that are happening that are negative. And, and I think we should try to find a way to coalesce around, around, around causes that we can actually make a change on. You know, Bowhunters of America, BHA, it seems to have a really good uh, foundation right now. Uh, I think that they should get more support. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at formally getting involved with them as a company. And, um, you know, I think that it, it, the more they grow and the more that they have sway, politically speaking, you know, on, on legislation, the better. So, you know, I, people reach out. I mean, if you guys out there have concerns and, and you know, you'd like to see TAP be involved in some kind of significant cause, let me know. Because it, with the way things are anymore, uh, my head's spinning day to day. And there's a very little additional that I can research, it seems like. Uh, but there, I want to be involved in a way that's meaningful. I would imagine you do too. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's in, and it's really one of the reasons that I include this in every podcast, right? Is to constantly get different insights and hopefully make a connection with a guy that didn't get it from the last episode. And, you know, it's just to get that thought process and keep that thought process going, man. Yeah. Keep keep it up there. Keep, keep saying things about it because it takes that. It takes beating a drum constantly in many cases to get people thinking about what can we do? What, what are the pressing concerns? And if you don't even know what the concerns really are, so to speak, if you don't really know what the dangers you might be facing or what you could be losing, then you're really not going to have any chance of accomplishing anything. So we need to identify, identify what the concerns are. Um, hunting, hunting as a, as a whole is declining. Let's look at that. Look at youth involvement, women involvement, uh, uh, well, female involvement is increasing in archery and great but as a whole the population is decreasing in its involvement in hunting um, you know and, and I, try, I try to tread lightly I understand there's a lot of people out there that are squeamish about blood shots and things like that you know dead animals but we also have to you know find a way to, to like to, to not hide what we do to, to display it in an ethical way to show people that it's a natural part of life it's like the cycle of life. And, and, a, and not, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there's a lot of folks, and that's one of the things that we've talked about before is like the postings. And I've had guys say, look, man, I just want to post my harvest or my kill, right? They're not going to like it anyway, so it doesn't matter if I, you know, get the tongue yeah. and the mouth cut off or the blood wiped off. They're well, not right. going to like it. Right. But right. I, I think, at least in my head, right, it's important to still take, I guess, the higher road with it. Um because the opposition is a lot larger than we are. Right. And sometimes I think I'm off base with that, but you know, it's it's just a touch of ground. It is. I don't know how large the opposition really is. I just know that they, 
they are connected in ways that at, at times we can only dream of. Right. There you go. And, yeah, that's, more and, and that's, I think the problem. Yeah. I think that's the problem is that they have a bigger megaphone, so to speak, and, and they're broadcasting it in a way that gets the people. And, and you look at, look at kill pictures and such. I mean, I don't think there's any problem with a lot of the people, even that aren't hunters with seeing a, a you know, a successful ethically killed animal it, it, what I think gets people is if they see just a total disregard on the part of the hunter for the, the, the life of the animal that they kill. They're displaying it in some blatant way. Like I saw a guy that posted a picture of a groundhog he shot. The, the head was completely exploded. He shot it with ballistic. Like, I don't really know that that was necessary to show a completely obliterated head. Right. Okay. That makes you look like an ignorant fool, in my opinion. I, I mean, as a hunter, I have an issue with, with that. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. the, the display of that, I, I personally don't, I, for whatever reason, I don't want to see that. I can go harvest an animal and right. field dress it and butcher it and do the whole nine. Right. I no big deal. I yeah. don't want to see that. Right. Right. That is a lie. And, and people will say, well, tough. That, that's what I want to put out there. Well, okay, then if you, you can say what you want, you can put out there what you want, but don't expect there not to be any negative repercussions. And I think, yeah, I think on a, at large, I think that most of the hunting community would agree something like that is, you know, doesn't need to yeah. be, you know, everybody no. doesn't need to be seeing that. No, I, th I think I would agree. Yeah, and I think, you know, like a buck I shot this, that one buck, I mean, yeah, he had some blood running down his side. I didn't wipe it off ahead of time, but it was tastefully displayed and, and nobody said anything about it. You know, it was fine. It was obvious that I care about about the animal's life and, and I've made that clear publicly a number of times. I talk about that. So I think I am backing up what I what I believe in. Yeah, and that admiration, you know, it, for that for that animal is... Uh... I'm going to say that 98% yeah. of hunters out there, man, that admiration is, is huge. Right. It, it's, you're facing an adversary out there that is finally, finally honed skills and you go head to head with that animal and, and you can successfully take it. You should have respect because that thing has the upper hand on you. And that's a misconception, right? Is everybody thinks it's so easy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You just, you just walk out there and you blow, you blow something away and then you, your day's over. Yeah. Your day's like, over, man. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been skunked over <laughs> and over. Yeah. <laughs> if it was that easy though, I would, I would venture to say that most of us wouldn't pursue this lifestyle. If it was as easy as, you know, no doubt. going to the no grocery doubt. store, right? Um, there's no so doubt. much more to it, man. We walk out there. I mean, you're, and you said it earlier, right? You're going out there and you're enjoying the outdoors. I mean, you know, sunrises yep. and sunsets and those, you know, crisp oh, mornings of fall and just amazing yeah. experience in, in God's right. creation is just exactly like nothing exactly. else. Like, you know, and, else. and that's, that's important to me too, to look at it that way and say, Hey, this is a, these are created you know, carefully. And I believe that's my, my faith. And, you know, I have belief in that these are created animals and, you know, and I like actually that deer I shot this year, I had this, just this rush come over me afterwards. Like, like I can't even describe it. And, it, you know, it was like, it just hit me that, wow, you accomplished this, but also too, this was something that was 
really a like a spiritual almost type experience and and that so that's hard to relate to someone that has never tried it or doesn't understand it just thinks it's about killing and you know if, if nothing else anyone would get from this podcast i think they should get that there's much deeper um, meaning to all the things we do and maybe they should they should look into it a little bit and think about well how it Maybe these are more advanced people than I thought they were. Maybe all hunters aren't just knuckle draggers. You know? <laughs> I got a few scars on mine, man, but you know. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, you have your you have your uh, noteworthy examples here and there, of course. But that's an every and that's in every part of life. And really, that hunting. and I and I think that that is an anomaly. I really believe that right. that those folks are an anomaly um, over yeah. this entire community. And, and I think yeah. that most of this community, you know, I'm not going to say despises them, but definitely looks down on that. And we try to weed them out if we can. We try to crowd them out if we can. We try to, you know, you're on social media, you see a guy like that talking and, you know, maybe you, you step in and you correct them and, or you try to, you try to dispel what they're saying. You try to have a reverse impact on that. It's just, we do the best we can to show who we are. And, um, and, I, and I think tap, Given the level of exposure where we've gotten to and what we're going to get to, we could play a key role there somehow. I, I think it's it's more than a business. Okay, it's more than about turning a dollar. You know, turning a profit. Mm-hmm. What I, can you do? Yeah, I think that's clear at this point in an hour and you know thirty five minutes. Yeah. Folks didn't hear that already. I you know. I, I'm glad. I'm glad for this opportunity. <laughs> glad. I, I thank you again because you know this is. It always, anytime I've been on a podcast or gotten the opportunity to talk like this, it always develops into so much more than just, hey, we're a company that makes products. And again, to me, it's obvious, you know, um, prior to this and, you know, in this minute or hour and 35 minutes, man. So um, anything you want to get out there, say to the folks before we wrap this up here? Well, I would just say that um, that if you if, if you're on the, if you're one of those people that's thinking about you know kind of stepping up your game in archery, and you're you're one of those people that might be a little bit on the fence, that that at least I'm not saying buy our product, but just reach out to me, give me give me a call. We have a number publicly posted. I'd like to talk to you because you know we are that is something we can do. We can always offer that to you. Is we'll be able to talk to you and just give you the opportunity to find out if there's anything we can do to help you in archery. Maybe you've never even shot a bow. And I've had plenty of people reach out to me like that. That's what I want to leave people with is that we're not about the experts. We're about everybody. And I, and I welcome anyone, anyone's attention, anyone's time. Awesome, man. You know what? I'm going to, I was saying that was a closing, but one thing that we didn't talk about was the tap edition Athens bows. Yes. You want to talk about we did that? Not. So why don't you, why yeah, don't you hit well that for us? <laughs> might as well throw a plug in there for that too. Yeah, that's a big um, deal, man. It it is. It, you, we we were able to get Athens, uh, you know, willing last year to produce a tap edition laser on tap logo, and then this year, uh, they you know they had new ownership. Uh, they were owned about what about ten years or so by the same people, and then new ownership bought the uh, bought the line. And I, I talked to the owner right off the bat and just tried to make it clear that, hey, I really believe in your bows. Just like I'm talking about here, what I believe in the ethics of hunting. I think this is a high-end product. And if you can give us a chance to show that we can bring value to you, we will. And it's going nicely. 
we're selling bows. We have a tap edition Ridge 34, 34 axle to axle. And now we also deal all their bows. And that's all I used last year to hunt with. And I can't proceed changing, to be honest. It's a great bow. Great bow outfitted with uh, not just the tap logo, right? Oh, yeah. Got the cable guard. So we have a tap cable guard, which, as I pointed out, I did two live videos earlier today. I think a lot of people don't really know that that's there. They, they don't realize that we've made that swap out to put the titanium cable guard in, which has a little, you know, a little bit of additional speed, additional vibration control, and then the tap string stops included standard, too. So you're getting a pretty significant upgrade for really about 25 bucks above the retail oh, of wow. a bow. Yeah. So we're, we're not making really much of anything off of those products. We just want to get them out there. So. Awesome, man. I, I totally evaded me for, for that time there. I apologize that. Yeah, they're pretty. No, no worries. No worries. We, we, we have a lot of value we got out of this regardless of whether that got brought up or not. So yeah. good deal. Well, I, uh, you are super busy, man, as I. Um, I'm probably not near you, but, you know, I'll liken myself I, I, to it. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you are. I bet you are. Everybody's got busy lives anymore. Yeah, it's the, the podcast thing has kept me pretty uh, pretty ramped up lately. It's crazy with all the recordings and talking to people. And but make, sure, make, sure we get, make sure we get linked in any way possible, and I'll, I'll share the heck out of this. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, I, uh, I added tap on uh, westerncontours.com. So you guys are on okay. the page there. It takes you right to awesome. Titanium Archery Products website. So if anybody's curious about it, and you know, could link right through westerncontours.com. So you guys are there, Sweet. man. Love the products. I appreciate your time again. Um, yeah, we'll be talking to you, man. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Thanks. For TAP's full product line, go to titaniumarcheryproducts.com or visit westerncontours.com on the partners page and follow the link. You can also catch up with Sam on Instagram at Titanium Archery Products. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.